It is March 8, 2016 at 716 at night. Follow us on Twitter at an open letter to you. But you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. All right, I am Dave, and this is an open letter. Thanks for listening. Tonight, it is the second version of what we call a nerd out podcast, and that means I have my son Joshua here with us tonight. Nerd out to Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Always appropriate. So uh, anytime there's a second version of any movie, you always have to follow it with Transformers 2. Electric Boogaloo. That's right. It just is the best second movie title ever. Also known as subtitle. Or that too. We also have with us Carol. Hello. And of course, as always, we have Chad. Our producer extraordinaire. That he self-titles and there's nothing wrong with that. So with the nerd outs, what we're going to do here is I'm kind of handing the reins of the show over to my eldest child so that he is much more hip about nerdy things can you be hip about nerdy things Mm-mm. no and hip is not hip hip is not see that it's that's hip to be square that's or so i've heard well not anymore i think that's an old thing that was a huey lewis in the news thing i remember that it was it was i remember that so off the cuff question to start with what is one of your favorite songs from the 80s from the 80s from the 80s 80s song that you rock that you love an 80s song. An 80s song. You know, yeah. I don't, I'd have to spend a little time thinking about that one if you want to go ahead and go with everybody Carol, else. Carol's first. got one. Psychedelic Furs, I'll Stop the World and Melt with You. <laughs> I'll Stop the World and Melt with You. That one. Um, don't play that any longer, else we'll have to pay royalties. No, no, we, <laughs> we have to stay under 30 seconds because we'd lose listeners and we'd have to pay royalties. Me, I'm a huge fan of, I would say, Oh, boy, there's so many of them that I like. She Blinded Me with Science, Thomas Dolby. It's a good one. Anything by Men at Work I really like. Um, Who Can It Be Now is probably one of my favorites. Flock of Seagulls. I Ran So Far Away. Josh, what's your answer? I will pull out, uh, we'll say, Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners. That's Which, a dirty song. song. <laughs> it's it's really creepy, but it's it's entertaining. I See, I disagree with you on the creepy factor there because I don't, I don't think it's really that creepy, but anyway, I digress as I often do. So let's get to the heart of the podcast, which is a nerd out session. And Josh has got a few things he wants to talk about when it comes to entertainment that's out right now. I mean, other people can talk about things they've watched too, but I brought some things. You brought some things. Bring your stuff. All right. We'll start. Actually, I wasn't going to do this, but we'll do it this time. I'll start with movies again. um, Because I saw a movie. I'll take movies for 200, Alex. My wife and I saw a movie today, the recently released Zootopia from Disney. And Joshua, uh, has anyone else seen it? It was just released Friday. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Thank you for that input. I have not seen it either. Do you guys have an idea of what Zootopia is about? Nope. So Zootopia. A zoo. It's not actually a zoo. It's a world where... There aren't humans. It's just animals. Is it um, anthropomorphic? It is anthropomorphic. I like that word. Um, 
what they are uh, kind of do. They they hit right away at the first scene of the movie. What they kind of talk about is it's like, oh, animals used to be animals in this world used to be feral, and now they're civilized. You mean like Will Ferrell? Yes. Anyway, sorry, Josh. So so that all the animals now uh, live kind of peacefully in harmony. You know, there's it's not just like we're all happy together. There's like crime and stuff, which is actually because the main character is a bunny who really wants to be a cop, but that's a big deal because no one's ever been, no bunny's ever been a cop before. No bunny? Yes, no bunny. So can I ask a question? Sure. Does, is it a big plot device in the movie as to why they changed from being feral to being a humanist? Um, like they kind of gloss over that, and they're just like, ah, it's a thing that happened. Okay. Over time. Yeah, all right, that's fine. The, the movie kind of revolves around there's a there's a plot where the 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 main character her name's Judy she's a rabbit she uh, heads to the big city Zootopia because she wants to be a, a cop and she succeeds she becomes the first ever bunny on the uh, on the police force of Zootopia which is the main city the big hub city in this world is it meant to be kind of a, a metaphor for some other kind of discrimination yeah a lot of a lot of what the movie digs into is she really wants to be a cop. It's like her childhood dream, and everyone's telling her, you can't do that. You're a bunny. You're small. You're not strong. The cops need to be strong and, and big animals, and she's out to prove everybody wrong. And so that's a big theme of the movie, not just with her, but a lot of characters is it's a lot about discrimination and that it's like, oh, one of the other main characters is a fox, and it's like, well, foxes are liars, and they're sneaky, and they're not trustworthy. Um, and so... It, it, you, it, the movie does a really good job, I feel, of digging into why it's bad to discriminate against other people without being really preachy about it. I think where they succeed is they abstract it out really far into, they're not talking about like specifically racism or any individual type of discrimination that much. It's just, hey, don't treat other people poorly because they're different from you. Right. Which I think we can all agree is a good message. So if you were going to rate this movie, what would you rate it? How would you give What rating would you give it? I'd probably give it like an eight. I really enjoyed it. I think it's better than a lot of stuff that Disney has put forth recent in recent years. But I also wasn't a, as big a fan of some of their stuff as other people have been recently. So, Was the scene with the sloth as frustrating as it was during the trailer? Well, the, 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 that was one interesting thing specifically because that whole scene in the trailer is just exactly what is in the movie. They didn't cut anything. It's just that trailer is just that whole scene. Because so. I would agree with it felt I, I saw the humor in it, of course. It's kind of funny. But it was like I wouldn't want it to be any longer than what it was in the preview in the trailer. And it's not. Um, it, it felt, when I first saw that trailer, it felt long because that was the whole trailer. And a lot of trailers aren't that long normally. Right. Um. But this one was just like, oh, it's just one scene in the movie, and now they're off to something. To, they're off doing something else. It's got a great cast too. The the people voicing the characters. I mean, you've got. Um, I'm not as familiar with it. Jennifer Goodwin, I believe, is the bunny. Uh, you might know her from as Snow White on Once Upon a Time. Right. Which, in my opinion, is a not great TV show. <laughs> yeah, I saw season one of that, and that was about as far as I could go. Sorry for all you Once Upon a Time fans. And then you have. Jason Bateman as the fox? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's kind of your other protagonist. What's the fox's name in this? Um, hmm, boy, that's... You just saw this. I did. You that's, don't know the uh, fox's name? I'm trying to... His last name is Wild. I remember that. Um, so, of course, the big question I have in this movie, what does the fox say? Um, a lot of things, uh, a lot of snarky stuff, actually, is the reve- reveals the mystery. Why do you think that, I think it's one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, and I don't think 
you know, anyone is going to have a problem with a fox being portrayed as kind of sneaky and underhanded. Why do you think we attribute that type of a characteristic with a fox? Um, well, foxes, uh, foxes are predatory animals by nature, and that's actually a big thing in Zootopia is kind of the, even though the the animals are, you know, act like humans now and don't, uh, aren't actually like killing each other or anything, right, they're still like good. predators are a separate group from the prey. It's a different part of the city, it. is that correct? Not necessarily. Like, they live side by side, and there are different parts of the city that are more like different biomes. Yeah, like I the saw rainforest that. rainforest and the tundra and stuff like that. Okay. But a big theme is, oh, predators are, like act like they're tougher and better than everybody else, but um, and a lot of the uh, animals that would normally be considered prey kind of resent that. So with the fox question, they... Foxes are... They're not necessarily they're predators, but they're not big animals. They're not. They're more fast and like I'm gonna nab you in from the side and stuff. And so they're not like a lion or something. It's just like ah, I'm just gonna chase you down and kill you. I guess. Well, I guess that makes sense. Now I understand that J.K. Simmons also voices a character in this movie as well. Does he not? Yeah, he's the uh, he is the mayor of the town. He's a lion. As well, he should be, because J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons is pretty awesome. Is he not? Yeah, I, I, I enjoy him a lot, and, and part of me listening, uh, while hearing him as this character in this movie, I hear, uh, uh, I'm hearing him, reflections of him as my favorite character he's ever played, which is J. Jonah Jameson in the Toby McGuire Could you, could you please give us your short J. Jonah Jameson impression? Barker, bring me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> and so I'm hearing, I'm, I'm expecting to hear that line specifically out of, out of the mayor character in this. It's just like... We need to hear about pictures. We need to hear about what's going on with Spider-Man. <laughs> so you're hoping for that, are you? No, but did you did you um did you now did you hear that he just got cast in the one of the upcoming DC movies? Yeah, the Justice League movie is apparently going to have him as Commissioner Gordon, which I don't know is weird. Kind of weird. He seems like a little bit older than Commissioner Gordon might be at this point because J.K. Simmons is like he's got to be pushing like late fifties at this point. I don't know. Can we get can we get a fact check on that, Carol? On J.K. Simmons' age, we're gonna get we're gonna fact check on that real quickly because I'm guessing J.K. Simmons has got to be uh, 61. That's my guess, Chad. You're right. What? Right on the nose. I was guessing, completely guessing, J.K. Simmons is 61, and he's not related to J.K. Rowling in any way, shape, or form that we're aware of. Not well, often. All right. Well, I just wanted to throw that out there in case visitors were confused, listeners were confused. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Um, yeah, that's, that's most of what I had to say about Zootopia. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, um, and I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a good movie to bring your kids to. It's got a good message. It's PG. It's yeah, it's rated PG. Why um, do you think, why is it PG instead of G? Um, they're, like, there's some intense sequences of, like, action-y kind of stuff. Of not, I would not describe it as violent, but, you know, the characters are in peril, and that is usually what will net you a PG rating over a G. My only hope is I never want to see Carol in peril. And I wanted to say that because it rhymed. So a movie we saw recently, which I want to bring up, is Carol and I actually watched a movie uh, a couple nights ago that was actually nominated for an Oscar. We saw the movie called Room. It's not The Room. It's just called Room. Now, I believe your wife, Gracie, has seen this movie. Yeah, she really enjoyed it. We saw it. She saw it in the theaters. We saw it at home the other night. I don't think I could say I enjoyed it. This movie wrecked carol it destroyed carol 
she was, and I can say that, I mean, that's just part of Carol. Carol is someone who processes things sometimes by crying, but she was, she was a mess at the end of this movie. She was wrecked. And that's okay. That's not, I don't mean that any, that's not a criticism, but just some of the things. So the basic, uh, what happens in a room is you've got, you've got this, how old do you think the main character is? One played by Brie Larson. Well, she was, um, she was captured when she was 17 and she had been in room for seven years. So she's 24 in the movie and her son is five. So yeah, she, there's this guy who kidnaps her. You find out in the movie that he was pretending to look for a dog. He calls her over and he, he kidnaps her and puts her in this shed in his backyard. And it's got this incredibly like concrete walls and the door is metal, this metal door you can only get into a combination, and it's got like a double layer door, so she can't try to get out. And she has a kid by this guy, um, obviously not consensual. The whole thing is she helps her little boy, her little boy's five, and all he's ever known in his life is this shed and their room, and he sleeps in this little closeted area. And they just spend all day, and he, this guy brings him food every week, and then it's super, super intense. Um, it's not giving away anything in the plot. They escape room as they're kind of incorporating back into the real world and some of the trauma of what that would mean to live, be separated from society for seven years. Very, very powerful movie. Definitely not for children. But uh, it's extremely well done. Brie Larson won the Oscar yeah, for uh, Best Actress. And rightfully so. Um, she was amazing in this movie. Like Chad, I don't think that's a movie you'd enjoy. I don't think it's a movie you'd love. Um, not not that necessarily. It's just kind of it's kind of a different type of movie. It's kind of an in, almost like an independent film. Are you interested in seeing it? I'd, I'd watch it. Um, it's it's gotten a lot of you know. It's it's supposed to have really good performances in that, and that's something I the can little boy's amazing. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, the little the, this kid who's probably seven or eight, maybe nine years old. Um, he's just fantastic. When he escapes and he first sees the sky for the first time, the look on this little kid's face, he just nails it. The sense of wonder uh, was amazing. So, Chad, were you going to respond? I, I kind of asked you a question then didn't let you answer. You'd be surprised what kind of movies I do like. I do like movies that are dramas and are they specifically have to have good acting. This has got great acting. I, I think you might like it. I don't really... You and I haven't really hung out a ton in the last few years as much as we did a long time ago, but it's it's well done. It's a good drama. But like Carol, could you you want to talk just a minute about kind of one of some some of the things that that impacted you about that? Well, be, before I talk about what wrecked me, <laughs> um, I thought that the portrayal of television was really interesting because she had taught she had told this little boy when he was four that nothing on TV was real. And so he didn't think there were other people. He didn't think there was an outside. He was, he didn't think there were really trees or dogs. He thought they were all imaginary. And so then when he's five, she's telling him, oh, well, actually, I just thought you were too small to handle it. So now I'm telling you the truth. These things are real. She's trying to prepare him to escape, to go out into the real world. And it, he's learning to differentiate between what is real and what isn't real on the TV. And 
I thought that was a really interesting process. Yeah, there's a lot there that you would have to distinguish between as in like, well, this is this is actually a real thing and this isn't. Um, yeah, it, it was really because he gets very angry. And once they get out of room, he wants to go back to room. And one of the really interesting scenes is when the police officer who finds him, uh, there's there's a really tense scene as he's getting away. The police officer that finds him is talking to him is like, well, where do you, you know where are you from? And he's just like, I'm from room. Okay, but where's your mom? Mom's in room. Well, what room? He's like, it's she's in room. Like, I mean, that's his world. It's his universe. And everything outside the walls, she says, is outer space to help him understand. Like, the whole world is contained in this, I don't know, five by eight room. It's a garden shed. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to talk a minute, and then we'll hand it back to you, Josh. But you want to talk for a minute about just some of the stuff that kind of impacted you on the film? I'll try. <laughs> the relationship between the, the mother and son, and then once they're on the outside, when they're no longer the only people in each other's worlds is um, pretty profound. She had days, she obviously struggled with depression, understandably. And when she was in room, there were days that he called, the little boy called her gone, gone days when she would just hide in the bed and not talk to him at all through the whole day. And after getting out, she again struggles with days like that and uh, needs to get some help. Does this in any way, shape, or form reflect what happened in Cleveland with the uh, three ladies and Ariel Castro? And he locked the three ladies upstairs in his room, and one of them did have a child, and they were missing, and they were gone for years, and nobody knew what happened to them all of a sudden. Well, this was based on a book, and uh, the book was certainly pulled from instances like that. Okay. Whether it was pulled from that specific one, I don't know. It's a very powerful movie. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to see it. It was interesting. Some of the the buttons it pushed in Carol, I don't think it would have the same reaction on anyone, everyone. I mean, I teared up in the movie too, but there's specific things that it tied to in her past that really kind of connected for her. And it just was a movie that just at the end of the movie, she's just, she's wrecked and, you know, and that's, that's okay. You just kind of, kind of hold her for a while and let her process it and ask her kind of what's going on. And sometimes movies can do that to us. Right. Right. I think, one of the things that hit me pretty hard was the way that this room was, for her, a prison, but for her little boy was all he ever knew and was perfectly normal. And he wanted to go back to it because he missed that sense of his security. He missed that safety. And I can remember going having those very similar conversations with my kids following my divorce when... You know, they wished for the old days when we were in that house, and that brought back memories of pain, and, and yeah, I don't want to go there. No, and I understand that, but, I mean, that's one of, the, one of the reasons I like to do these Nerd Out podcasts, because I want to talk about the entertainment that's impacting us, the things that are kind of rocking our worlds a little bit, the things that, because entertainment isn't just all light, fluffy, and, oh, this is fun. I believe entertainment can be very, very powerful, and, and on top of being fun, it doesn't always have to be like really heavy and dark, but sometimes it can really hit us where we live and it really helps us process things that have happened to us in our life, which is why I want to continue. I like doing these and I like having my son here. Thanks. So son, 
that's our room. I would give room an. Uh, I would say I'd give room an eight and a half out of ten. That's my. Uh, that's my. My ranking of it. How was your ranking, Carol? I'd agree with that. And I'll go back to Joshua Zootopia. What would your ranking be for Zootopia? Uh, I think it's a, stick with what I said before about an eight. Eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what else have you got for us today? Um, why don't we jump from movies? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about video games for a minute. All right, you're kind of on an island here, pal. <laughs> So there's one game in particular that I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, came out last month, and I just played it uh, this past weekend. It's called Super Hot. Is it about Carol? It's not about Carol. Oh, it should be about Carol because she's super hot. You are very silly. So the concept behind Super Hot is uh, you are you start the game up, and you're st- looking at like an, a computer screen of like an old interface. Kind of looks like a DOS interface if you're familiar with old, really old versions of computers. And I am. You start uh, this online chat thing with some other person, and they're telling you about this really cool game called Super Hot that you should play. Okay. Um. And so he sends, and it's really, really what it is is it's like, oh, we, it's not like a game that's out. It's like on this company's files, and we had to like hack into their servers to to play it. And so, like, he sends you the files that you need to get into their servers to play the game. And so, so they, they kind of go a, a little bit like a Blair Witch Project type of a feel, like this is a real feel, like this is happening thing. Yeah, sort of. Um, they What they dump, jump into then is you, you uh, the actual parts where you were playing the game then is it's, it's structured like kind of a first-person shooter um, where... You are walking around and there are the, it's a very like mostly gray and white world that you're walking around in, kind of abstracted stuff. There's red people in I it that it. are trying to kill you. Um, and it, everything, there's objects like guns and stuff in the world. Um, it's all, all looks like it's made of glass. Like the world doesn't look like it's made of glass, but like the guns and there's like objects you can throw and the, the, uh, the red people that are fighting you. Everything looks like it's made of glass. I see. Do you see it on the monitor there? He's Chad's got it playing there. Yeah. That's it? Yep, that is super hot. Um, so when the the core mechanic of when you're actually playing this, what makes it not just another action game shooter kind of thing is time only moves when you move. So while right. you're standing still, at time t- still is moving, but it's extremely slow. So if like a, a guy were to shoot a gun at you, you can see the bullet traveling towards you in very slow motion, like matrixy. So, but as soon as you start moving, time speeds up again, and it speeds up based on how fast you're moving. So um, it changes it from being like a oh I'm gonna run around Call of Duty shoot guys to this becomes a puzzle game. Um, where the enemies are going to show up in a very in specific places, and they're going to come at me in specific ways, and I got to figure out what's the best way that I can get around them um, and try to take them out. And it's not it's not really a violent thing, even though it's a shooter, because like everything looks like it's made of glass. So like when you shoot one of these red guys, it just kind of shatters apart. Right, I um, see that. So it, I had a really good time with it. it. It's not super long. I got through the whole thing in like two and a half hours, and then played it again right away because i was having so much fun with it the the cool the part where this game becomes really cool is there's just a lot of different options you have like you can punch a guy and then he'll drop his gun and because everything's moving in such slow motion when you're not moving you can then be like oh i'm gonna look over at the gun as it flies through the air grab it out of the air and then shoot another guy um 
and you just are able to string together basically like really cool action scenes that you'd see like in an action movie but you're kind of making it on the fly as you play and then once you finish a level and take out all the guys in a level it goes okay i'm gonna play back everything you just did in real time and so when in reality it took you like four minutes to play through this level and go okay i'm gonna move over here and take this guy out and grab this thing and keep going the whole video when played back might be like 20 seconds and you can get a sword too, or a katana. Yeah, there's swords. There's you can get a baseball bat. You can. Oh dear. There's there's one level in particular that's pretty cool where you're at this bar and there's all these glasses that are on the bar and you can just start picking up the glasses and chucking them at guys that are coming at you. Is it? Is it? It's. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's super hard. Um, it like it's there. There's definitely spots where it's challenging. You're gonna die a bunch of times, just but it's not a big deal because it's like oh, you die, you restart the level because you weren't paying attention and you're dealing with all these guys in front of you and oh there's a guy behind you and he shot at you and you didn't even realize that even though time's not moving fast except for when you're moving so gotcha yeah it, it's a really really neat thing you can get it for i believe it's 25 dollars on steam which is a place you can buy video games online um yes i'm sure as we develop an audience for our nerd outs the people listening to the nerd outs are going to know exactly what steam is and be fans because I only know it through you guys. I don't. I, I've, I'm not a big video gamer myself. I know Carol is huge into video games. She, not really. Chad, do you play many video games? Nope. There you go. So we we're trying to appeal to a broader a broader audience here. Um, I raised Josh playing some video games because I had when Josh grew up, he had uh, we had a some version of Nintendo. Super Nintendo. We had Super Nintendo, which, uh, do you remember the first game you ever played? Um, it was probably Super Mario World, which uh, was the Mario game that was available on the SNES. Um, the SNES, which is what? Super NES, Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That's what the kids all call it. Um, so that's still, to this day, I, is absolutely one of my favorite games. Um, it's extremely well made, and it's just a lot of fun to get through. I probably either played that first or... Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is another all-time favorite. Well, I remember getting, when I was a kid, my mom and dad bought uh, Pong, and so we would play Pong at the house, and I remember that was just so cool. You could move those paddles and hit that square ball back and forth, and then, uh, and then of course, we got Atari, and then we got the Nintendo, and then we've always had gaming systems in the house, pretty much. Now, Carol, your kids, they enjoy playing video games too, do they not? They sure do. What games do your kids like to play? Right now, I'm not really sure. I think Fallout 4 and Far Cry. Um, Far Cry Primal, perhaps? I don't know. That's the newest one that just came out. That could be. We, she, she, see, for people like myself... Like, and you're not as bad, but when I've played, like, um, if I play Call of Duty or something like that, and I play with some friends and their kids, you're out there for, like, five seconds and you're dead, and you have no idea how you died, and you're just target practice for kids who play this a lot, or Halo or something, and you're just like, this isn't any fun at all, because you guys always want me to play Super Smash Brothers. It's a great game. Yeah, it's a great game when you know what you're doing. It's a lot easier to pick up than something like a Call of Duty I don't always lose every time. No, you 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 can handle if you're playing a character that you know how to play. If you're playing like Captain Falcon, you usually do okay. Falcon punch. I know that one. 
I got that down. I can do that one, and I can do uh, is it Samus, Samus, whatever. Samus. Samus. I can play her. I know a little bit. I know some of her moves, but to play a game, and I'm super competitive, so if I'm playing a game and I'm, like, losing immediately, I get I actually get angry, and I just stop playing. I'm like, I won't play anymore. I actually have a pretty similar experience when if I ever play something like Call of Duty Online and stuff because the people who have been playing those games and are really into those have been playing them for, like, 10, 15 years at this point, and they're yeah. really good at it. They're really, really good at playing these games, and so it makes it hard for somebody to go in from scratch and just go, well, I'm just getting decimated. What is, uh, tell me one of your favorite video games of all time. Um, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll bring up, uh, Dark Souls. Let's say Dark Souls. That's one of the favorites I didn't mention earlier. Okay. Dark Souls. All right. Um, Carol, what's your favorite video game of all time? I'm afraid I don't have one. What about Tetris? It's okay. Tetris is really good. I loved I loved me. I rocked me some Tetris. Chad, do you have a favorite video game of all time? Not really, but I have Tetris. I just downloaded it on my phone. I'm just, yeah, having Boom. fun with it. I'm always plagued by guilt if I spend too much time playing games. This is not something my eldest son experiences. He has no, he has no guilt for playing video games for long periods of time. Do you, son? No, it's a great, uh, great way to have entertainment <laughs> and uh, learn things. And that's right. One of the we Josh and I had a really good experience as he was growing up, though, because one of the knowing this was something he was into, and Josh works for the Geek Squad, and uh, he can build computers and has been putting together computers since he was probably fifteen. Um, and so he's always had a natural inclination for technology. But one of the games we would play together is we'd play the Myst games together. They're great. And we had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Which is probably why you get you and I get along better than I get along with my youngest son, Aiden. Because Aiden and I played that Super Mario game. Uh, new Super Mario Bros. on the Wii, I think. We yeah. We jump would, on each other's heads. Yeah, we would kill each other all the time. You could pick somebody up and throw them off a cliff. And so then we get really frustrated with each other and just see how many, we would just start battling each other instead of trying to conquer the level. And we'd get mad at each other. So anyway, on the side, what else have you got for us, Josh? Um, we'll jump from video games. How about we start with television? I like television. I like some television. Well, I don't like all of it. Um, what do you want to talk about? Um, let's bring up something I know we both watched. Uh, do it. Uh, the Shannara Chronicles. The Shannara Chronicles. Shannara, Shannara. I they say it. You say so, Caribbean. I say Caribbean. Yeah, so the. If you're not familiar, um, Shannara Chronicles is uh, based on a book series that's been out since like the late 70s, I think, is when Terry Brooks put out. The, I think it was early 80s. Uh, Sor- I know for a fact that Sword of Shannara is like 78 or 76 or something Fine. like that. Um, so it, he's put out like 25 books in the series or something at this point, and not all of them are great. No. Um, a lot of the earlier ones are really good, though. Um, and the show, which just uh, just wrapped up last week, uh, its first season, um, is based on actually the second book in the series because the first book in the series is borderline directly copying the first Lord of the Rings book. Yeah, it's a Lord of the Rings ripoff. There's no doubt about it. It made a lot more sense when he put it out because they're just... There weren't a lot of fantasy novels at that time, and everybody who was putting their stuff out then was very similar to Tolkien. That's true. Um, but looking back on it now, especially, it's like, oh boy, this is 
this is a lot like Fellowship of the Ring. It's true. It really was. And so, is. what they did with the first season of the show then is they decided to jump to book two called The Elf Stones of Shannara, where they, um, it's very much developed more into its own world and setting and stuff. Um, the thing with uh, the Shannara series, if you're not familiar with it, is it's actually set kind of in the distant future um, of our world. Um, there's a nuclear apocalypse. Um, Wait, every- a dystopian story? A post-apocalyptic story? Have we done that before? Yeah, maybe a couple times. They, they, this was less explicitly clear within the books, but they lean into it really, really hard for the TV show. And yeah, you see like do. a lot of ruined skyscrapers and buildings and technology broken and stuff lying around. But For the first 20 years, though, of Brooks, Terry Brooks writing these books, you had no idea this was happening in a post-apocalyptic Earth. Well, he the, he had hints in there that there was like some kind of previous civilization, but definitely had no idea that it was our... It was actually Earth, right? But um, he did a series linking that. He did a couple books that he where he linked a couple different series that he had, where one of them was centered in modern day, and one of them was this other fantasy series. And I remember reading that at like fifteen or sixteen, was had my mind completely blown. This all's the same world, no. Yeah. So the the TV show has it's on MTV, which when they first announced that MTV was going to be developing this show i was kind of like oh i don't know about this guys yeah yeah um but the way it turned out now that i've seen the whole thing i'm pretty happy with it i don't think it's great um but i think they did a pretty solid job there's definitely um my wife and i as we've been watching it we, we call them the mtv scenes on the uh in each episode where you'll get some You'll get characters that are like, oh, you're really, you know, they're like, you're hot, borderline sexual tension kind of stuff where they're like looking deeply into each other's eyes. And none of that was in the book originally. No. Um, But it's just kind of like, oh, they'll have like one of those scenes per episode. And you're like, all right, we're going to get the MTV scene out of the way and then we'll get on to what's actually important. Um, And everyone in the show, other than anyone who's like over the age of 40, is like, model good looking yeah they, they, they kind of have it's got the symptom that a lot of shows on like mtv or like the cw have where it's just like a, every character is like this adonis you know <laughs> yeah. yeah or persephone they got these incredibly good looking and then the guy takes his shirt off any of the guys take their shirt off you're talking six pack yeah they, not unlike myself <laughs> no i have a six pack i just happen to have a uh, little bit of you know padding on it that's all that's i have a six pack in the cooler. There, that's where it belongs. That's in the cooler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I've seen the show. I've seen about uh I'm about halfway through. I'm watching it with my youngest son. And uh we we've probably got about four or five episodes left. I'm pretty happy with the world they've created. I think it's very difficult. Uh not very many uh, movies or TV shows are able to take a book that you've and, and you've got this image in your head of this world and what the characters look like and what the world looks like. And you can put it on screen in a way that's like, they got it. And I think they did a pretty good job with how the world looks. Yeah. MTV definitely sunk a bunch of money into the actual making of the show. They shot everything in New Zealand, um, which is also where they shot Lord of the Rings. If you it is actually law. Movies. It's global law that if you're going to shoot a fantasy series, it has to be in New Zealand. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. It's the, the rule. U- UN passed a while ago. Yeah. Who, who knew? I didn't see that coming. So what they ended up doing with um, Shannara is they lean into like a pretty unique visual style. Um, Agreed. 
with a lot of it. Um, they really saturate a lot of the colors and the effect and everything. It comes across pretty distinctive looking. I like a lot of what they do with the costuming and stuff. Um, but I'm, uh, I was pretty happy with how the series turned out overall. They, as the series goes on, they change a whole lot of stuff from the book, which if it were a different book series, I probably would have been more disappointed in. But in, uh, in this one, I'm a little bit less, I'm a little bit less tied to the source material. So, um, I can, I can be okay with some changes here and there. I think that it, I would say that it's a solid effort for people who are fans of Terry uh, Brooks and his books that they did a solid job on it. They do MTV it out a bit, but not to the point where it's unwatchable. Some of the acting's not great. Um, there's a couple characters that I think are decidedly weak, and you and I disagree a little bit on that. Um, I think I think for the most part, the most of the acting's pretty solid. Um, but I, I really like the guy. Uh, Alanon is one of the characters, and I think they did a really good job casting him. He's kind of like the the elder druid Gandalf kind of character. Yes, um, yes, he is. And he's really cool in the books, and I think they did a really good job of uh, conveying that in, uh, now, did in the show. Caroline, did you? I think you saw a couple of the first episodes. Did you not? I watched the first episode when I knew you were watching it with Aiden. What did you think as someone who's an outsider kind of looking at this show? I didn't find it gripping, and I I wasn't terribly impressed by the acting. It it didn't suck me in like some of the other shows. Well, and I think that's like MTV is certainly trying to because they know with someone like Josh and myself, they've got us as viewers right off the bat because we've read all the books. We're at least going to watch the first few episodes to see absolutely, how it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And... Um, and but the interesting thing is to see can they pull because you're someone who will read fantasy, and uh, it's interesting to see, you know, if it, can they pull in someone like yourself. It didn't work. I do like to read fantasy, but it didn't work. Yeah. So the book that we're really super excited about, I'm sure we'll talk about this in some future podcast, is of course the uh, book series that has been bought out by I think Lionsgate. Yeah, I believe, I believe is, they uh, got the rights to it. Yeah. Uh, the Name of the Wind. The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Both my one of my favorite books of all time, one of Josh's favorites of all time, and certainly one of Carol's favorite fantasy books of all times. But Carol has trouble with favorites, don't you, Carol? I do have trouble with favorites. She doesn't like to say anything's her favorite because her heart is big enough that she doesn't need to have favorites. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't extend to boyfriends. Not at all. It, the category has to be narrow enough for me to have a favorite. I Like a favorite book is just impossible because there are so many different kinds. It's true. It's true. And I understand that sort of. But Josh and I, Chad, I don't know if you're like this, but Josh and I are certainly we're list people. So we, I, can, I could ask Josh right now, and I will. Josh, what, is your fa- what are your favorite TV shows of all time? Favorite TV show of all time would have to be Lost. Right. I bet you could give me your top five TV shows right now. With um, I know Lost, Lost is number one. Firefly, uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Um, those are definitely top three. Top Going past that becomes a little harder. I like Archer a lot. I think that's very funny. Um, Arrest Development, I think, is one of my, definitely probably my favorite comedy TV show. Yeah, see, we're list people. Chad, do you, do you list things? 
You know, not necessarily. I do have my favorites. I could throw a couple favorites out there if you Please want. Please do. To. Throw them out there. Um, I'm a fan of the Law and Orders. I love all of them. Really? They're just particularly Criminal Intent, which they, you know, canceled, which is kind of sad to me because Vincent D. Uh, whatever. D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yes. Who plays Kingpin. A, yeah. And he was also in Jurassic World. He was does he? a fabulous. Yeah. Oh. Um, he does a fabulous job being that detective that kind of gets right into your face. I love that part of the show. You like um, people in your face? No, not in mine necessarily. Just the bad guys' but characters. somebody else's. Oh, I see. It adds to the drama. That seems fair. The Office. I think everybody that I know of loves The Office. It's American just, or UK version? You know, I've listened to the UK version. That's about as far as I got. I tried to watch it, and it's pretty much identical as far as the plot is concerned, but I don't understand anything they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've actually met people who cannot watch The Office because they can't stand the awkward humor. They're so uncomfortable, the show's completely unwatchable to them. Yeah, my wife's one of those people. She's watched some of The Office, but the, the awkward style humor for her is really hard for her to get past because she's just... She feels too embarrassed for the characters. Yeah, yeah, she can't. I mean, obviously, she knows it's not real, but yet the, she's feeling so strongly for these people that she no longer she can't enjoy it because it's so awkward. But that's a show I really. Carol, do you like The Office? I can't say I've watched much of it. <gasps> Chad is immediately. Is that? Go ahead, Carol. Well, the thing is. It's been popular during a time of my life where I just have not had time for sitting around watching TV. That's what Netflix is for. We're learning. See, but you have to remember, too, Carol grew up without television hardly at all. So she's caught up in a lot of things in the last 20-some years. Would that, that, does that be about right? Kind of. But, you know, having four kids two years apart kind of kept me from sitting and enjoying an entire show at once. You mean kids take up a lot of your free time? Uh, maybe a little bit. Well, and we're going th right now, speaking of your favorite TV show of all time, Carol and I are actually going through Lost right now. Such a good show. Uh, it is. So being a list person like myself, my favorite show of all time is MASH. Second favorite show of all time is Lost. And so to take Carol through Lost is just a blast. It's just a riot for me to go through this, which I haven't seen in years. And just like she got destroyed and... We both were crying at the end of an episode about a week and a half ago. For for people who haven't seen Lost, um, you're probably aware of at least of what it is just because a lot of people, it, it got out there in a big way for a long time. Um, if, it, if you've thought about watching it and feel intimidated by it, what I tell people is watch the first three episodes. The, the, very, the third episode of the show is called Walkabout. It's about a character named John Locke. It's possibly it's definitely one of my favorite hours of television of all time it's such an incredibly written episode and performed in just every aspect of it if you can get to that episode watch that and you don't enjoy it don't watch the rest of the show because it's not for you it's just not your thing and that's okay but if that grips you keep going because there's a lot of more a lot more like that the thing i love about lost is it incorporates so many different aspects of entertainment that i enjoy um it will make you laugh it'll make you cry it'll keep you um it's a, it could be thrilling at times. It has romance in it. One of the things I love about it is the way it goes into the character of each person and then 
the fact that it goes into the backstory of each character, you're starting to see the reasons why they act the way they do. And uh, I just find the the personalities and the way they're, um, they interact with one another is just really um, more insightful than in a lot of other shows. It, and Lost was really a groundbreaking type of a show because when they were pitching season one to ABC, they lied to them about what the show was going to be. Yeah, some of that stuff has come out and they... They talked, they, the ABC didn't want to have like an overarching plot. They wanted it to be very much like this episodic thing. And so J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse are the people who created and wrote the show. They went to them and they're like, oh yeah, totally. That's what this show is going to be about. And it totally wasn't. No, they lied. Um, they they completely, completely lied. And then it debuted and did incredibly well. So I'm sure studio heads at ABC were mad about it, but they're like, well, we've got a hit on our hands, so we might as well run with it. So and not only that, but they weren't they weren't entirely sure they were going to even survive one season because it was such a different idea that they didn't really know what they were going to do for season two. And they started scrambling halfway through season one going, this is going to get renewed. We got to have a we have to know where we're going to go now. There's going to be a season two. Yeah, and, and, and I think some of the overarching plot stuff does suffer later on sometimes oh, no based on uh, based on them not having a groundwork for it from the get-go. But I think overall it's just there's a lot of fantastic storytelling in Boy, there. I tell you what, I just hear this music and it moves me. Just the moments they play this part of the song, the, the sad, the poignant lost music when something dramatic has just happened and uh so where we are in this right now is we are we just met henry gale oh okay so season two henry gale just got cut down from the the net where dan or rousseau has captured him captured and so he's in the the hatch locked in the room inside he's just beating beating the crap out of him yeah some of those scenes are a little rough but we did, we cried last week when we saw, when the people from the tail section meet up with the people from the other section. Oh, that's, that's good. Jin and Son meet up again. Bernard and Rose meet up again. And we're both just, we're just both crying together. And it was fun. It's kind of a cool moment to share that with, Carol. I, uh, a couple of years ago, um, my wife uh, watched through, I watched through the show for the first time. I didn't watch all of it with her. We weren't married at the time, so... Um, she watched through a bunch of it on her own, but I, I watched, you know, probably let's say a third of the episodes with her again and just reminded like, man, I just love this show. And there's, there's, there are a couple, there's one episode in particular, the, there's moments in the last couple episodes that like didn't get me on the first watch, but watching it again years later, like I I don't tear up a lot of a lot of things watching movies and TV and stuff like that, but there's some stuff that got me in the, in Really? That show. Well, I'm curious to rewatch the end episodes of this show because I've only, like the first couple seasons I've seen a few times, but like the last three or four seasons, especially the last three seasons, I only saw once. Yeah. The, a lot of the end of the show is pretty controversial for a lot of people because there's, there's kind of two camps of lost fans. Um, you have the people who are cared about it, watching it as a show that's very plot-driven and want to know what happens and what's up with all the mysteries and everything like that, which those are definitely elements of the show. And then there's the people who are invested in the characters and want to know what happened to the characters and their development and stuff like that. I was always in the latter camp, and if 
through interviews of the um, the people who wrote and created the show and stuff, their intent was the show was always about that. It's about the characters. It's right. about their development. And the overarching plot stuff and mysteries, and those were all there, but they're never, they were never meant to be the main focus. And so for the people who that was the main focus for them, they ended up disappointed. Well, they bailed. A lot of them a lot bailed. A lot of them did. Um, and I understand why, because the, they wanted... They wanted to be served in a specific way, right. and the writers were not interested. Right, and, and when you watch entertainment, you get different things out of it. You're watching something for a specific end, and if some people like, I'm all about the plot, and I'll, I'll, I'm all about, I want to see what happens next. And for people like you and I, and I think Carol too, it's it's about a lot of different factors. I, that's an important factor to me, but characterization is just as important. Yeah, that that's that's one reason why I tend to gravitate towards TV over movies a lot of the time is because TV shows, especially like overarching plot kind of TV shows, just have a lot more time to dig into character development and stuff than like a two-hour movie does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know somebody who actually watched the entire six seasons of Lost in 10 days. That's a lot. That is 10 hours of TV a day, my friend. I don't know if they hit 100 episodes, but I think they got pretty close. They got like 108, I Does believe it really? was, because I looked it up, because I'm like, I'm like, dude, you watched, and he's like proud of it. He's like, well, yeah, that's it takes commitment. You couldn't do that. And you're like, you're right. I couldn't do that. 42-minute episodes. So now I want to talk just a minute here, and we're going to have to wrap up here before too long. But, Carol, I want, I want, I'm interested in who your favorite characters are. And the characters you enjoy the most, as opposed to who Josh's characters who enjoyed the most are. So, I actually want you two to talk about that for a minute. Okay. Um, I think as time goes by, I'm starting to really enjoy Saeed because I think that it's really fascinating how they have shown his humanity and his brokenness, and how his past is what most of us would consider to be pretty shameful and revolting even. Yeah, definitely. He's He's got some dark stuff. Yeah, really dark stuff. But at the same time, he's capable of love. He's capable of compassion. And it, it's he's just this really interesting person to me. Yeah, I, I like Saeed a lot. Um, I especially like Saeed in the earlier parts of the show. I think they... They run out of interesting stuff for him at a well, certain point. I'm only in season two, right. so I don't I know. know. You're, you're still in, you're still in the midst of really good Saeed. Um, but I, I have different characters, different favorite characters over the entire course of the show. Like every season, almost is a different character I like more. I really like John Locke. Oh yeah, and I think in for in season one, he was definitely my favorite. Yeah, seasons one and probably two, eh, not two. Season one definitely is John Locke is all the way. He's such an interesting character, especially as you get into his backstory that that episode i mentioned before the the walkabout episode is his kind of the core of his backstory and what makes him the type of person that he is and the specific ways that he is broken um is he's such a fascinating interesting character and they do a lot of really interesting stuff with him i just the first season's worth of stuff with him i think is 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 his best stuff I'm not really fond of Claire, to be honest. Claire, Claire's Claire's not one of the deeper characters in the show. Yeah, she's she like her the stuff with her and Charlie. I think is cute. Yeah. Um, but she gets a little annoying sometimes. 
Well, I, I, I want I, my baby. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's squeakier than that. Bad Australian accent. You know what? That's all I got. That's what you're getting. <laughs> um, one of my favorites from where you are right now is uh, Mr. Echo. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But he's he's pretty recent, so I don't know him very well. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's a priest um, from Africa, and. A Where, very, very large, intimidating. A self-proclaimed man. priest. What What country is he from? I don't remember. Mor- Do they say Was specifically? Mauritania? No. Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember specifically. Talk about those Jack. bits. Jack. Jack's interesting. How do you feel about Jack Carroll? I don't know. He's kind of a mess. <laughs> I, don't, I. Jack is ostensibly the main character of the show. There's yeah. so many characters. Jack and Kate. Jack is ostensibly the main character. I don't like Jack. I he, the type of person that Jack is, and the decisions that he make rub me the wrong way most of the time. <laughs> but he's sort of the stereotypical good guy that people like. Yeah, I just he he makes a lot of decisions that I think are like very narrow-minded and political. Yeah, very political. He there's a lot of other characters that I like way more than him. Talk about Kate a minute, too. I heard you don't like Kate. I hate Kate. She's my <laughs> least favorite character. I think she was poorly cast, I think, is part of the problem. I think I would like her better if she were rougher and... Are you, just, are you not a fan of Evangeline Lilly, then? No, I like her in other okay. contexts, but I just feel like the person that they're portraying does not look like her. I never really had that problem with it specifically. My problem, and and I don't remember from how far you are in how much they've revealed of her backstory yet. Um, we know we know why she was arrested. Okay. We know what she did. We know we saw the episode of what Kate did. Gotcha. Kate's a terrible person. She does. She's done very very bad things and is largely unrepentant about it, and that um, bothers me. Hmm. She had some pretty terrible, horrible people in her life Absolutely. that did some horrible things to her. Absolutely. But I I think Kate, but, is, a, Kate is a person that but uses you can other like, people. But you can like Saeed. Yes. Interesting. Saeed, is, uh, Saeed feels terrible about the things that he's done. But he continues to do them. Because he feels that he has to. Hmm. And, and keep in mind, I, don't think, I also don't think Saeed is a good person necessarily but you hate kate not him. I, I strongly dislike kate um and a lot of that has to do with some of the other decisions that she makes later on in the show that you don't know about yet okay um because i'm afraid i, really I can't hold like. against her what she did that got her arrested yeah. i mean i yes it was a crime yes it was wrong but it in my mind it was understandable and to be expected now the, the question is too um is back in the day when the show was going on, if people, are you a jader or a satyr? <laughs> Remember that term? Neither, because I, I like Sawyer a lot. We'll, we'll, we'll delve in there. Well, we already know that there's romantic attraction between Sawyer and Kate. That's yeah, totally. been completely established. I like Sawyer, and so for me, as someone who likes Sawyer and not Kate, I'm like, nah, Sawyer, you got better stuff. You got better things <laughs> to do. You can you can aim higher. You can aim higher. I like Kate. I actually think Kate's a good character. I don't think she's a 
I think she's a very conflicted person that has made some very bad decisions based on what decisions she felt like she had to make, much like Saeed, just in a much different way. But I think she's very protective of herself and the people she loves and will do anything to protect them, including killing if she needed to. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about Sawyer because I like Sawyer a well, lot. Well, you, you, you talk about Sawyer. We've got a few minutes left here, so you go ahead and uh, talk about Mr. Sawyer. That's a, tell you what, my favorite story in season, in, in the first season, the Sawyer backstory, I think, is gripping and amazing. So many of the best episodes of the show are Sawyer focused episodes i think the one with the letter the yep. his first backstory is just like oh man that's just like draw jaw dropping for me he's like the most textbook case on that show because uh, all is the common theme with a lot of characters is like they've been broken in very specific ways and then um they either overcome that or they don't um right. uh and sawyer has a lot of damage that he has come across <laughs> and has had happened to him. Yeah. Um, and Kate and, nails him though. That's one of the things I like about Kate is she like sees right through him. Yeah. Yeah. Their interactions can be really good. Sawyer's done a lot of damage too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sawyer also not a great person. Well, he wants people to hate him, but that's, that's, I think it's, so you want to talk more about Sawyer? I don't need to talk about so Sawyer. But. One thing I think is interesting is you met someone Related to the cast, one of the cast oh, members. Oh yeah, that's lost. right. Um, yeah, uh, 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 a job I was working, I met uh, uh, the brother of one of the cast members that I thought was pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. Can you say the name or not, or is that confidentiality? As I far probably as probably shouldn't. No, that makes sense. I understand. I don't want to get you in trouble, but I don't know if they'd ever hear this. But you just never know. <laughs> It was cool. That's very cool. You told me. I'm like, no way. It's very cool. Um, so where are we at time-wise, Jed? Over an hour. All right. We need to wrap. Um, anything else you want to finish? You want me to just wrap the show then, or do you want to say anything else, Josh? No, we can wrap. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to An Open Letter. Again, this is Dave your host but tonight we had josh along with us josh thank you so much for being here no problem i really enjoy doing these nerd outs because so much of the time we really do heavy heavy topics and it's nice to just kind of talk about some light fun stuff sometimes so we're planning on doing these for uh every once in a while but again we really want your feedback guys if you could please let us know what you like what you think's working we need to know what you don't think is working our website is an open letter to you at gmail.com and that is with a number two and the letter U, an open letter to you. We also have a Facebook page. If you could like that, that would really help us out. Um, and again, if you can get your friends to listen to it, share what we're doing on Facebook right now. That is our primary way of marketing this show. So if you could do that and help us out, that would be fantastic. We really have a great time doing this. We really appreciate you listening. 